welcome to the Lightly Literary Podcast, the Thoughtful Book Club podcast featuring two friends. I'm Travis, joined as always by my co-host Amanda. Welcome back, Amanda. Hello. We are here today with the noble goal in pursuit of a book recommendation. If you found the podcast for the first time, you're in a perfect place to start because our book recommendations are intro episodes. They're meant to obviously recommend and persuade you to listen and join us for a book reading over the next two weeks. We are, as I mentioned, the Lightly Literary Podcast. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram under that handle. It's all one word, so just at the Lightly Literary Podcast. Follow us on those platforms if you want to know what we're doing, like the books we've got coming up we promote our episodes there and just give people a general sense of what we're doing and what we're reading so check us out there again this is going to be a book recommendation so if you've never listened if you're a first timer firstly welcome and thanks for stopping through we are going to be attempting to persuade you in under 30 minutes usually like 25 minutes why the book we're going to be covering is worthwhile what's interesting about it and we're going to try and talk into joining us for the read um today amanda will be discussing jazz by tony morrison tony morrison a literary legend a true titan in, in american history how many mm-hmm. at this point how many tony morrison books have you done um i would say two and a half okay <laughs> two and a half and, a, and it's been a good two and a half though yeah well the, the other half I, I stopped reading oh um like i want to say after the like second chapter my mind wasn't in the right yeah mindset there so totally it's yeah she's an author that because of her good qualities and because of her intensity you just can't go in halfway it's definitely you got to be you got to be fully in if you're diving in got to get the swim trunks on and just dive in then or the swim top or the swim i don't know i don't know any swimwear (laughs) terms i've worn swimwear in 30 years so i don't (laughs) i don't know what i'm i don't know what i'm talking about but you got to dive in all the way um let me read from the cover briefly so if you've never heard of jazz or even tony morrison that's the novel we'll be covering let's briefly read from the cover give you a sense of what we'll be discussing and recommending today jazz is the story of a triangle of passion jealousy murder and redemption of sex and spirituality of slavery and liberation of country and city of being male and female african-american and above all of being human like the music of its title it is a dazzling dazzlingly lyric play on elemental themes as soaring and daring as a charlie parker solo as heartbreakingly powerful as the blues it is pulitzer prize winning novelist tony morrison at her best that's the quote from the cover we can agree or disagree with aspects of that if we want to <laughs> any thoughts on that amanda before we dive in mm, i i love tony morrison generally and i think that she is a wonderful writer in general yeah yeah and by definition some book must be best and worst i don't think this is the best yes. but it's quite good <laughs> and which you know we'll get to let's, let's recommend this and stop spoiling it i'm already diving in we'll begin with our first segment for all recommendations which is the rapid fire recommendations this is when we quickly bounce some descriptions off of each other just to see what we thought of the book and who might enjoy it i'll go first this time i think you should read this book if you enjoy flashbacks i really think you've got to love them you gotta love a flashback <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely. And I think generally with Toni Morrison's writing, you would have to um, enjoy a good flashback. Um, I would say that you should read this book if you enjoy snappy dialogue. Yeah, and because it doesn't come up uh, all that much, it's kind of a narrative-heavy story and gives a lot over to narrators. You, The dialogue is quite meaningful when it happens. And yeah, she's got such a good ear for it, so you won't be let down. I think you should read this book if you either love 
love fussing over narrative voice and narrators, or if you just want to straight up ignore who the narrator might be completely and just like read the words and enjoy the story. <laughs> I think either dire- I think you kind of have to pick one of those two directions. Either go yeah. completely get the cork board and go completely conspiracy theory over it or just be like I it doesn't matter. I'm just here to like enjoy the musings and this core story. Anyway. Yeah, I I would have to 100% agree with that. I don't know which choice I, I did. Um, we did in the middle, which is why we're both tongue twisted and, you know, there's like a yeah. lot of rambling in our but because we couldn't decide on what direction to go. I guess we fussed mostly then, but yeah, I think both, either readings are worthwhile and interesting. Um, you should read this book if you don't mind a roundabout major plot line. Well, she has a Greek chorus in the beginning, which if you don't know what that means, it means the story is spoiled in the first three pages. I mean, it just straight up. It tells there's one <laughs> thing that kind of is maybe a bit of a red herring or bait and switch, but no, it straight up tells you what happened in the first couple pages. It's just that it's that kind of literary writing. It's not so much concerned about that. It's more about the motivations and the whys instead of the what's, so to speak. I think you should read this book if you actually don't care about jazz music at all. Yeah, I think <laughs> right. <that's a> yes. <laughs> you do not have to like jazz in order to read this book, for sure. You don't even have to uh. know what jazz is to read this book. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, you should read this book if you like to see how different perspectives and histories converge at one point eventually. Yeah, a lot of heavy lifting there with the eventually. It's it is dense <laughs> with flashback and with history and stuff and yeah, there's tons to unpack. It's Toni Morrison. It's thoughtful. It's well articulated at times, but it's this one's this one's chaotic for sure. It's you got to keep track yeah. of a lot. I think you should read this book if you enjoy would enjoy reading a love triangle that has basically no romance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's very very little romance. Um But there's a love triangle though. Like a very well established one too with like interesting elements to it but basically no romance in it (laughs) yeah 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 um you should read this book if you appreciate good character work yeah really strong i mean it's that's one of her strengths and we know how much she can do in so little or so few pages and she does it here again so some of the characters i think to me didn't quite connect whether it was structural or thematic or something but on the whole yeah it's such an easy recommendation for morrison mm-hmm. and i'm going to cop out with my last one just because it feels like the right way to phrase it i think you should read this book if you like tony morrison and the way she writes because yep. well i'll let you take it i don't know yeah i'm ruining the segment but no you're fine <laughs> definitely this is um, if you've read the bluest eye with us um, in the previous in the previous episode um, in our previous session, you know that she's a wonderful writer, and here you can still see how wonderfully she writes. She's it's beautiful, and she she plays with structure and and everything else. Just I mean, she's a wonderful writer. Yeah, it, she does not lose a step, even if I don't think this book is as good. It's still right. just so obvious many times over that this is the same person writing, is I guess all mm-hmm. I wanted to convey. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, I said you should read this book if you don't mind some ambiguity in narrative choices. Yeah, you got to be, I've worded it this way in the pod 
the other longer one, the book club. You just have to be willing to meet this book where it is. And where it is, it's in stream of consciousness mode at times. It's in narrative exploration mode, uh, experimentation mode, I mean. It's in multiple characters, multiple timelines, sometimes, you know, flips uh, on the page even and doesn't really give a strong sense of a break. Like, it's, yeah, it's rather experimental. It's, you know, readable in the end, and the core story is quite clear, but you have to be willing to meet it there. I think if you try and rush through parts of this or brute force moments of confusion, it's just, it's only going to worsen. So I, because I tried that. (laughs) I tried, you know, I hit a paragraph of like, well, who is this speaking now or what time? I just Mm -hmm. try and force it, but it's just only going to bite you later. So, (laughs) yep. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Let's move on to segment two. This is going to be a deeper connection, what we call the pop culture touchstone. I've copped out, Amanda, because I'm blanking. So I'll let you do yours first. Connect this to Uh some piece of culture. It could be anything from music to movies, to books, to games, to stories, to whatever. Whatever. Um, give the listeners some connection to pop culture for this. This might be a surprising one, but it um, was to me. Yes, <laughs> Tony Morrison too would be surprised <laughs> and offended, maybe. But I won't speak on behalf of her. Rest in peace. Um, but uh, I said uh, the movie Wayne's World with Mike Myers and Dana Carvey, um, which might seem like the complete opposite of Tony Morrison in a lot of ways, but. Um, the reason that I, I chose uh, Wayne's World is, I don't know if mm-hmm. you've seen it. I have. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but we have actually um, uh, several characters, but we have like two main characters who are uh, in, in the movie I'm talking about, um, have um, their own perspectives on one, the same experiences that they're, they're not having same experiences, but on one shared experience and Mm -hmm. so we have the different perspectives and there's also some non-linear moments in the movie that seem a bit chaotic in the movie that reminded me of some of the chaos that we encountered in (sighs) jazz yeah and and there's um also the alternate reality scenes when they're like when they make that sound and that reminded me of a specific part of jazz as well where we have um is it is it really happening like this? Is it a dream sequence? Is it actually like, oh, this is how we want to envision it happening? Um, so that was yeah. very similar to me too. And then, but still, there's like a basic progression forward in a plot, in in the plot where where there's also just not a lot of movement it seems like with the major plot in the movie and in the book (laughs) Uh, i'm so disappointed how well this works man it's (laughs) it's true it's all true i'm so disappointed because i saw that written down and had such a chuckle i was like wow what an absurd but that it's also true it's of course has none of the same emotional and tonal register to it but it's like everything you said is true (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh i'll go way safer here i wanted to i wanted to do something that wasn't this because i was trying to think of like short story collections or vignette type of storytelling and i was hoping to come up with a connection that matched the i don't know thematic connect anyway i'm gonna go house on mango street which is a really commonly taught book in middle schools and even high schools too but it's a vignette collection it's about i mean the house on mango street also the neighborhood around there it's it deals with kind of different topics there's more immigration stuff in that one and kind of life is is like hispanic latino 
kind of family life and stuff. And there's more teenage stuff in that book. There's a lot more like growing up and being a kid or like sexually maturing. So it's not, I guess it's just that like, it's very, it has a coherent center, but it jumps a lot and is willing to jump from character at any time or jump back and forth in time. And so I think that's the element I wanted to convey. I don't think they're exactly written the same way, but both authors, just in the structuring, have made it clear that they're super confident in jumping around and kind of the focus and not being not being content or stuck in one place. Like it's, I don't know, Morrison in this book is just experimenting and, and feels confident moving the narrators and moving the characters around in time and, and place and everything. So I'll go house on mango street. Not, I was hoping to come up with the deeper one today. I like really left it there all day and just kind of thought it over, but every movie I came up with felt like a shallow comparison and I just couldn't grasp a, a good one for this. Yeah. It's it's difficult. Like that, her writing style is in this book with with the chaos and and the, but they're all like somehow tied together. It's it's difficult to find yeah another piece to compare it to. Yeah, I was trying to think of even just two. Like, well, maybe one of the core character story progressions. Like, I could find a connection, but then that feels like shortchanging it. Like, I could think of maybe like a kind of sad romance or like a middle aged sad guy. Like Joe, I, there's like certain connections to be made, but then it doesn't. It kind of discredits the whole project, which I did not want to do. So anyway, yeah, it's not my deepest best pop culture touchstone but hopefully we've described it well so far um to do that let's move deeper into the wreck we've got a couple of segments left for you listener uh the scripted pitch we'll do next this is a planned and scripted segment where each of us have prepared a brief piece of writing and just to again put on a more formal type of persuasion to convince you that this is worth listening to or worth reading with us should i go first since my sure. my pop culture touchstone was weak <laughs> hopefully my <laughs> scripted pitch won't be but yeah i'll i'll do mine first During an earlier podcast on Morrison's The Bluest Eye, which we did together, we celebrated her for so many reasons. Her daring narrative maneuvers as she veers from character to character was one thing. Her willingness to examine some of the most rotten human behavior and then not look away from it, but like examine its immediate horrors and lingering wounds, that was another. Her language that is so often concise and kind of maybe even simple with its words but also dense with imagery that's and ideas that's another thing here's what i'll say that's all true about jazz as well all of it but i will add one thing it's all just a little bit less effective would be my addendum to all that and perhaps this is a now jaded perspective maybe i'm being too nostalgic and looking back too fondly on that book maybe i maybe i liked it less than it seemed at the time because we both seem to love it but it does feel like jazz just doesn't have as clear a thesis or a mission or a purpose, which I don't know, in literary terms is fine by me. I I sometimes like these meandering things. Um, I think that this book has some pretty clear and engaging musings on life in the city versus life in the country. There's that dynamic. There's more than a few passages, obviously, about love and connection and like how it can be baffling and beautiful and chaotic and violent. Um, It's a story about loss, too. I I have to imagine at this point, basically all of Morrison's novels are in some form about that. Same with like how they're all about history creeping up on you and never leaving you. So I think it's an easy recommendation with all those affirmations and topics and themes in mind in the end too it's just tony morrison like it's clear that she's just always going to have some pure mastery on display she can be wise and insightful and has like really sharp language that always is going to try and capture something wonderful 
I just, I don't know her. The, we have this perspective of she has 10 plus novels and she has this long literary career, very storied. I just doubt this is her best and that's totally fine. It's fantastic in many ways. It's well worth reading. It's such an easy wreck because it's Toni Morrison. And so the narrative experimentation, even if it doesn't always work, it's, it's easy to say that with Morrison, an interesting failure is thankfully better than like the opus of many lesser writers. So even though this is not... I think some kind of masterwork by her. It was fascinating and well worth reading. Easy, easy one to discuss too. I think that's, that's a great way to put that is that Morrison, even if you know, you're not a great fan of this particular book, it's, it's still better than some of the masterworks of other not so great writers. Mm -hmm. She's, she's absolutely wonderful. And yeah, and, and, and I think that you did well comparing this to Bluest Eye, where there are a lot of similarities. You can tell that they're the same writer, right? She, she oh, yeah. definitely wrote oh, yeah. um, in many of the same stylistic um, uses, but it's, yeah, for, for me as well, not, not as effective, but still an, a read that I could easily recommend. Definitely, yeah. Well, please do yeah. so. Give us your pitch. Um, Toni Morrison's structural goal in writing jazz was to emulate jazz music, and she does. The plot moves forward, but not at a steady or linear pace, much like jazz music. There are flashbacks, flash-forwards, narrative entanglements, and several points of view, all of which connect back to Dorcas's death and funeral. Despite Morrison's seemingly disjointed narrative, this novel does well with thematic and character elements which is unsurprising as this is Toni Morrison we're talking about. This novel will definitely keep you interested and invested in the plot progression as Morrison weaves the past with the present. Not even the sometimes jarring and confusing unnamed narrator is enough to ter enough to deter readers. Although I wouldn't mm. say this is as successfully written as The Bluest Eye, I would say that this was compelling enough for me to try another novel by this amazing writer in the future. Yeah, it's especially since we've done one together and I did Beloved in college too. It's also clearly her, which I think for an author it feels like obvious almost faint praise, but in her case because we've praised her so heavily before, it's like it's all true again. I mean, it's it's pretty excellent and yeah, you're right. This narrative confusion, I really think there's a way you could read this book and just think, you know, I'm not going to be concerned about who that narrator is. I don't really care. Like, interesting. Here's an interesting couple musings, um, and I'm just going to keep it moving. Like, I think you'd get a ton out of this book reading it that way. And, and then the yeah. core narrative is still really complex and interesting. And, like, yeah, it's like, oh, this person interjects occasionally with their little thoughts about the city life. And it's like, whatever. <laughs> I think that's like a perfectly enjoyable, interesting way to read this book. Book that, and it's not going to lack for depth if you read it that way. It's it's not going to lack for depth if you don't spend, you know, ten minutes on every two page interjection from a narrator that's never named and has like really complicated vi visions of the narrative. It's almost meta in a way too. Yeah. So yeah, well said, well said. Should we end with quotes for clarification? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, so we're going to end with what we always do, and that's a quote for clarification. We have both talked around the book enough, so we're each going to share a quote that we think represents something important about the work, something meaningful or insightful about it. Amanda, why don't you take it away first? What is your quote for clarification? Sure. Mine comes from page 187, which is the beginning, um, the first paragraph of one of the chapters. 
There she is. No dancing brothers are in this place, nor any breathless girls waiting for the white bulb to be exchanged for the blue. This is an adult party. What goes on goes on in bright light. The illegal liquor is not secret, and the secrets are not forbidden. Pay a dollar or two when you enter, and what you say is smarter, funnier, than it would be in your own kitchen. Your wet surface is over and over like the rush of foam to the rim. The laughter is like peeling bells that don't need a hand to pull on the rope just goes on and on until you are weak with it. You can drink the safe gin if you like, or stick to beer, but you don't need either, because a touch on the knee, accidental or on purpose, alerts the blood like a shot of pre-pro bourbon or two fingers pinching your nipple. Your spirit lifts to the ceiling where it floats for a bit, looking down with pleasure on the dressed-up nakedness below. You know something wicked is going on in a room with a closed door. But there is enough dazzle and mischief here where partners cling or exchange at the urging of a heartbreaking vocal. Mm. Um, I chose that paragraph because that's just, I think, a great example of how descriptive she is and how beautiful um, the language that she uses is in all of her writing. Um, Mm -hmm. And how she's able to create this mood, this feeling of like sensuality and of like almost reckless abandon um, and like sneakiness, right? Because you're, you're drinking. I think this is like, is it supposed to be during prohibition? If not close to it, it's in the twenties. I forget the dates on that, but yeah, it's close enough for that. Those lines to make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And then also there's like the, um, the, music references and stuff like that that that's the the jazz you don't get an overwhelming um reference to jazz throughout the novel um, right. but there she does try to use jazz as more of like a, a feeling as a as a way to structure certain ideas so. yeah it's a good quote for that too because it really is more of an accent in the story it, it does yeah. music pops up definitely often enough to be a, a key motif but i don't know it's also i come out of this book thinking odd things like if i were to recommend it to somebody would i even mention jazz music like i don't think i would i'd recommend it for a couple other ideas and themes (laughs) and and etc motifs but yeah i don't know if that would be top of mind for me which is interesting to say but there's there's a couple meaningful segments with it and then yeah just a really sensual like you said description of a young young person partying Mm-hmm. Trying to get out there and live a young life in the city. I, I pulled a quote from earlier in the book about it. This is from our unnamed, you know, whoever narrator having just some kind of musings and thoughts about the city, which is New York City, by the way, but they call it the city, all caps uh, or capitalized. This is from 35. That kind of fascination, permanent and out of control, seizes children, young girls, men of every description, mothers, brides, and barfly women, and if they have their way and get to the city, they feel more like themselves, more like the people they always believed they were. Nothing can pry them away from that. The city is what they want it to be, thriftless, warm, scary, and full of amiable strangers. No wonder they forget pebbly creeks, and when they do not forget the sky, they completely think of it as a tiny piece of information about the time of day or night. But I've seen the city do an unbelievable sky red caps and dining car attendants who wouldn't think of moving out of the city sometimes go on at great length about country skies they've seen from the windows of trains but there's nothing to beat what the city can make of a night sky it can empty itself of surface and more like the ocean than the ocean itself go deep and starless so I'll pause there, but it goes on for you know, another page <laughs> of the meditations about the city and its relationship to nature and everything. 
Mm-hmm. I think, and that's, you know, reading back over that, there's so many different beautiful images and the, the starlessness of it at the end, the kind of void-like nature and the beauty of that, all that. It's There's there's just so many meaningful, interesting reflections. Even I would even say the beginning is almost cliched in a way of the whole kind of like, go discover who you are, kid in the city. Go, go figure yourself out. The city will it'll sort you. You know, that kind of, I think that's almost a cliched idea. But it's mm-hmm. it's well-written and, and really clearly articulated. And I just think that if you're not fussing completely and really racking your brain over who this person is or why they know the thing, and it's just kind of you read it, I mean, almost in a nonfiction-y way, <laughs> um, it's really nice. And it's really, these interjections are really strong and make for nice accompaniments to this narrative that takes place in the city. So I thought it shows it shows off her strengths, you know, literary in a literary sense. And it also, I just wanted to give that almost as like a heads up to think. And you don't have to break your brain over contemplation as to who that is and, you know, what their narrative perspective means, quote unquote. You can kind of just enjoy those almost like interludes or something. Yeah. And it's a, it's a great way to introduce one of the major themes and motifs of the, of the novel, which is city life versus country life and what that effect is on, on the characters specifically. Totally. Huge, huge element in the story. Because they, I think, all come from, well, the two major older characters come from the country. There's other yeah. characters native to the city. So that's that actually does contrast matters hugely. Yeah, mm-hmm. good. I didn't even think of it for that reason, but it does set that idea up too really well. Any final thoughts? on jazz by tony morrison nope all good okay well let's get this in before we we close out here we hope listeners as always that that was enough to persuade you if not we apologize and we'll be back in two weeks for another book recommendation so if you don't want to listen into those episodes just yeah check back in two weeks in the feed we'll have something new for you speaking of what's new do you want to do let's do this first uh if you're going to read along with us and cover the first half of jazz we always split our book clubs in half that first episode will cover the first four chapters of, of jazz it splits it right in half the chapters though aren't numbered so just look out for that if you're wary of spoilers if that's how you read we'll be doing the first four for episode one and then finishing the book for part two so that will be our split um if you're interested in joining us for that journey which we hope you are um if not as i mentioned we have other books coming up amanda do you want to tell them about those yeah. Uh, next up is World of Wonders in Praise of Fireflies, Whale Sharks, and Other Astonishments by Amy Nizuku Matatil. Then we have Slouching Toward Bethlehem by Joan Didion. And third, we have MASH by Richard Hooker. MASH like the TV show. Yeah, or the movie, either one. Oh, yeah, there we go. I think it didn't it run for forever, the show? I thought it was one of those, yeah, like, 20-season yeah. shows or, you know, like a Friends or a Seinfeld or something. Yeah, it, was, it was pretty long. And actually, even though it was set in South Korea, the TV show was actually filmed in, like, Arizona or something. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. Love to, love to get those Arizona <laughs> night skies in there. Is, is, is much of Korea desertous? I mean, I know it's mountainous, so... It's mountainous, yeah, so... Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> close, it's not. Close enough. <laughs> Desert, mountains, I don't... I mean, biomes are confusing, so I'm not, who's, I'm not one to judge. I don't I have no opinion about those, so... Anyway, that's funny. All right, so yeah, join us for those books. They'll be announced in the feed. Again, you can follow us on social media at Facebook and Instagram under at the Lightly Literary Podcast. That's all one word, so at the Lightly Literary Podcast. If you can recommend us on 
Spotify. I was going to name some. We're on all the major platforms. <laughs> Any of them, wherever you found this would be great. A rating, a recommendation, always appreciated. Thanks for checking out this recommendation. And as always, folks, until next time, we'll see you between the pages. <laughs> <laughs>